The Eco Right Speaks podcast is your conservative home for weekly climate news, interviews, points of view, climate heroes, jesters, and so much more. We'll share the stories of people leading in their local communities and around the country. Welcome to the Eco Right Speaks podcast. It's brought to you by RepublicEN.org. Hello, and welcome to the Eco Right Speaks, your climate podcast, brought to you by the team at RepublicEN.org. I'm your host, Chelsea Henderson, coming at you from the nicest day that we have had in 2021. I cannot attest to what the weather is like on the day that you're listening, obviously, but just know that smile you hear in my voice is because on the day of recording, the sky is blue, the temperatures are warm, the windows are open, it is heavenly. In a continuation of a theme we have explored a few times on the show, my guest today works at the nexus between faith and climate change. Dr. Jessica Mormon is the Senior Director for Science and Policy at the Evangelical Environmental Network, and we met virtually, of course, collaborating on a recent project, which you'll hear about in a few moments. Jessica received her PhD in Earth and Atmospheric Sciences, making her a climate scientist from the Georgia Institute of Technology, and she has held research positions at John Hopkins University, University of Michigan, and the Smithsonian National Museum of Natural History, where she researched how climate has changed throughout Earth's history. Jessica previously served as the AAAS Science and Technology Policy Fellow at the U.S. Department of Energy. As you'll hear, she is passionate about leading church communities toward positive solutions to safeguard our cities, neighborhoods, and the next generation from the effects of a warming world. She has been featured on the Today Show, in the Washington Post, Christianity Today, numerous podcasts, and we are so honored to have her on ours. In her spare time, Jessica volunteers at her church, which she co-founded in 2016 together with her husband, Chris, in the DuPont Circle neighborhood of Washington, D.C., and you'll hear about that too. So without further ado, my conversation with Jessica Warman. Welcome back, listeners. I'm so happy to introduce you to my new friend on the Eco Right, Jessica. Thank you for joining me on the show. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Chelsea. So I just wanted to let our listeners know that we have been getting to know each other recently on this joint project we're doing where we have identified, and we're working with a couple other friends in the Eco Right as well, but identifying a few lawmakers and thanking them or expressing our gratitude for their climate leadership. And it's just been really fun to get to know you as part of that effort. And I just thought it would be interesting for our listeners to know a little bit about why gratitude is so important in what we do. This is so important. And I'm so excited about this project because giving that gratitude is so important in seeing effective and durable lasting climate solutions. Ultimately, if we want to see, when I say effective, we need all ideas and voices at the table. And conservative ideas and voices need to be at the table. And when they offer them, they need to be thanked for what they've done. And for it to be durable, it, it needs to be bipartisan. It needs to ultimately be nonpartisan. 
And again, giving that credit where credit is due goes a long way to making sure that it's not just a single action that um, or a single policy that's being championed by conservatives, but that it will continue the momentum in doing so. And so giving that credit where credit is due is so important. You know, sometimes I wonder for especially for some of these conservative members that have been kind of the first ones to dip their toe in the climate water, so to speak, for every thank you they're getting, they're probably getting pushback, right, from maybe five other people or 10. We don't know. We don't know what kind of um, sort of the opposite of gratitude that they're getting. And so I just you know, I, this is something that gra- expressing gratitude is something that has grown more meaningful to me over the last few years. Um, I actually did this project a few years ago where every day for a full year, 365 days, every day I wrote a letter of gratitude to somebody and sent it in a snail mail. And sometimes there were people I hadn't talked to in a long time. And sometimes there were people I didn't know, like that, Barista was really nice to me at the Starbucks. I'm just going to send a letter to that Starbucks and hope that she finds it or whatever. And it was really incredible to me how many times I would get a text or an email or a phone call saying, the day I got your note, I was having a really bad day. And then I checked the mail and I never get anything good. And then I got this thing from you and it just made my day. And so I hope that that feeling that I tried to cultivate in the past that we're cultivating some of that with these champions and that we will then encourage them and make them want to do more things. Absolutely. I love that project. I love that intentionality and then the joy that you just spread through that project of giving gratitude. And I think it's just what um, we need both in the political arena, as well as just in society in general to help diffuse the, the hyper-partisan uh, atmosphere that we have, the power of giving thanks is huge. And as a person of faith as well, I think it's, there's good reason why there's so many verses and scriptures in the Bible that instruct us to give thanks. It really has the power to, to change things. It really does. And, and that is a nice segue into talking a little bit about the Evangelical Environmental Network, which... I know has been a longtime pal of Republic EN and um, Bob and Mitch have done webinars together and I think they go way back. Um, what can you explain to our listeners, you know, what EEN is, what you do for anyone who's listening who might want to get involved, how they could get involved? Absolutely. So EEN, the Evangelical Environmental Network, we have been an organization since 1993, and we really exist because we believe through our Christian faith that creation care, caring for all that God has made, is truly a matter of life. And for us, it intersects, being good environmental stewards intersects both with uh, God's foundational commandments and commission to us as his followers to be good good stewards, good caretakers of all he has made, but then also intersects with our, our ethics, our pro-life ethics to defend life and especially to protect the health of our children, both born and unborn. And whenever we let the uh, environment be despoiled, 
we are creating a place where our children can't thrive. And so our mission and vision is to see uh, a healthy environment where everyone can thrive and where our children have a hope and a future and an expectation to have uh, a stable climate and uh, a healthy pollution-free world for them to grow and thrive and enjoy. Are you a membership-based organization, like a grassroots organization, or how, how do you guys go about spreading your message? Sure. So we have several different ways for folks to get involved from um, just uh, checking out resources that we have on our website to joining um, a weekly book club that we host, um, going through different books, um, through different series of where bringing other Christians together who have felt that similar call from God to engage in being environmental stewards, which sometimes you can feel like in your church that you're the only one who gets it because it hasn't been emphasized very much in our, in our churches and especially over the last couple of decades of this awesome responsibility and assignment that God gives us in the first book of the Bible in the first chapter in Genesis. Um, it says that we are made in God's image so that we can be responsible for all he has made. And there's many reasons why the church hasn't emphasized that in the past. And so uh, at Ian, we're really trying to help fellow Christians rediscover and reclaim that mandate to be good environmental stewards. And the book club, it's a national uh, uh, effort that brings fellow believers from across the country together so that you don't feel like that lone wolf anymore. And then, um, so that's, that's a place where we learn and discover together um, what God has to say about caring for his creation. And then we have uh, kind of the next step in the pipeline. We have um, what we call our E and Partners Program, where we do a, uh, an eight-week intensive learning intensive with different cohorts of um, Christian church leaders, church members uh, to discover how to start a creation care ministry at your church, to discover uh, the biblical basis for creation care, and to discover how climate and environmental degradation impacts your local community. Because we really start to care when we make those local connections. How is this impacting my family? How is this impacting my children? How is this impacting my community? And so we do that discovery process and um, then do a coaching session to walk people through how can we, as a church community, engage in meaningful action to uh, address these, these problems that we're really opening our eyes to. And then finally, we also engage on the federal stage and uh, provide avenues for um, our members to uh, easily reach out to their representatives at um, the federal level, as well as in many states also, to, to bring that message that um, whether you're Democrat or Republican, we need to take meaningful action on the climate crisis and as well as the pollution crisis that are so intertwined together. I have so many questions. Um, so I'll have to see, hopefully I'll remember them all. 
So are there specific policies that you guys are um, pursuing and that you provide, you know, for your members? Oh, talk to, you know, Senator so-and-so and tell them that they should support this or support that. Or is it just that you're kind of conceptually getting them to engage to show those members that there's this big community that is behind them, whatever direction they're looking to take? Yeah, so we kind of have a two-prong approach to that. We have on our website a kind of an evergreen um, message and uh, a system where you can send a, a letter to your um, uh, congressperson or your senator to let them know, just as you said, that this matters to me, caring for creation, acting on climate matters to me. Um, but then we also do timely and targeted alerts um, to uh, both in a national campaign as well as to uh, specific uh, leaders in Congress to um, connect their constituents to the representatives. And so, um, so we have uh, one other program that we have is our E and Champions. So you can sign up as an E and Champion, and we uh, figure out what district you're in, what state you're in, and as those. Uh, very timely opportunities come up, we'll reach out to you and say, would you like to uh, uh, send a letter, write an op-ed or a letter to the editor, editor for your local newspaper to share um, with your, your representative that you'd like to see action on this specific legislation that is coming down the pike? Well, I love that. And as a person of the written word, I love seeing people write op-eds, writing to their to their members kind of in an indirect way, right? Because those letters, those op-eds, they get printed or they get published online. They don't go directly to the offices, but I tell people again and again, the office sees them. They have Google alerts on their, on their own names, right? Every elected official. So if you write something and you say thank you to so-and-so in print, that member is going to see it probably even more than if you'd written to them directly. So I just think it's such a powerful and underutilized tool. Absolutely. And I think it is, it's so important to break through that feeling and that misconception that my voice doesn't matter. It's not going to be heard. And that's kind of the message that we're always bringing to our members is your voice really makes a difference on the Hill and so we are just so thrilled to be able to bring those opportunities to our members to make their voices heard. We're energy optimists and climate realists. Stand with us at republicen.org. Now back to this week's episode. Um, there was something that you said a few minutes ago about that you were kind of trying to take take this message back, that you have a legacy of this Christian embodiment of creation care and that maybe over the last couple of decades, it hasn't been as strong as it was in the past, which reminded me a lot of just the Republican Party generally. And we talk a lot about the legacy of of Richard Nixon and Ronald Reagan and and it just seems, or you know, going even all the way back to Teddy Roosevelt, um, a big a big hero of the Republic EN team, and. It does seem that some of that is lost with today's lawmakers. And so one thing I was going to ask you is, do you think that there was a, that this disconnect or maybe more than talking about the disconnect, the reconnect that you're working on, that you're making, 
is this a generational thing? Is this because younger generations overwhelmingly care more and that our voices are now being heard at a, a, at a louder decibel? <laughs> yes, I, I do think it is a generational thing. And just as you said, that divorce between the conservative movement and its historical legacy as environmental stewards, it happened at the same time as the evangelical church becoming divorced from its historical legacy as environmental stewards. And this is, this is just an anecdote, but um, I think what we're seeing today, I can, and I can speak for myself, and I've seen this um, for young people that we interact with, of they're connecting those conservative values. They're connecting the, the faith-based and Christian values that they were taught and seeing how they apply to today's problems, climate change being first and foremost of that. But in my own personal experience, this is a funny story. Um, I grew up in, in East Tennessee. I grew up in a, a hunting family. My, my father would take me out um, uh, to uh, hunt with him and enjoy nature together. And he always said, hunters are the best conservationists in America. And that really stuck with me. But at the same time, I wasn't allowed to watch Captain Planet. So I'd be at home and um, Captain Planet would come on. And if my dad came in the living room, I quickly changed the channel and I'd watch it in secret. And the reason was, is because because of the the, the partisan nature of some of the messages that he disagreed with, it clashed with his, with his values, especially with seeing the negative portrayal of hunters, of sportsmen on that. And so I think there's been so much harm in the American environmental movement of beginning to say, well, your, these values liberal values matter most and conservative values don't matter. And I think that really laid the foundation for this divorce that we see now. But what I'm really hopeful about is again, seeing this, this return and this coming back together and a rediscovery again of conservative values of Christian values being entirely compatible with environmental stewardship, both to, um, in my own Christian faith to care for God's creation that shows love for the creator, as well as to, to love our neighbors, recognizing that we do this for people, not polar bears, <laughs> that real people, our own communities are being hurt whenever we ignore the problem of, of climate change or pollution. Our children's future is being hurt. And those protecting our, 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 our children's future, giving, passing down a, a strong foundation to the next generation is very much at the core of conservative values and Christian values. And so just by making that, helping make that connection between how environmental stewardship already matches our existing values, the things we already care about, I think is really key and central and what we're beginning to see happen at scale, which I'm so excited about. I had this um, memory of last season, we had um, this author, Lindsay Linsky on the show. And I think she might be somebody who's a friend of EEN. She is. She is. We actually went through her book 
two book series ago. It was really amazing and recommend her book to, to anyone who's looking to um, uh, learn more about that connection of our, our call to be environmental stewards and caretakers of God's creation. And what does that look like now? And she does it in such an amazing way through, through stories and narratives, which are, are just so powerful. So I'm so glad that the Republic Ian has community has had a chance to hear from her too. Yeah, we loved her. And, and she has a funny story where she met Bob Inglis at a, a conference and she handed him one of her books and, and Bob tells it in a great way where he's like, you know, people give me books all the time and they kind of go into a pile, but he got on the airplane and he pulled it out and he absorbed it on his flight and just was really impressed with her and everything that you just said, the storytelling and the connections that she made. And, and she on our podcast um, episode, which listeners, I'll link back to Lindsay's episode in the show notes, because if you've missed it, it's so good. She coined or gave to us the term eco-hesitant. So we use eco-right all the time. So the people who are right of center, who want to be um, climate enthusiasts. And I love this idea of eco-hesitant because we've really struggled with what to call people who aren't embracing the need to act on climate change. And we've talked about deniers and we've talked about skeptics, but um, people on our team don't really like the word skeptic because of the inherent nature of a scientist needing to be skeptical, right? You're trying to prove something. So there has to be some level of skepticism in that process. Hoaxer we've used, but not everyone says climate change is a hoax. Some people just either don't see it as as relevant enough or they have other priorities. And so the word eco-hesitant, I think, just really um, it captures I think what we deal with a lot when we're encountering people that aren't maybe all bought in. So I was wondering when you go about your work, how often are you encountering eco-hesitant folks or is everyone you talk to like, yes, I've been wanting, waiting my whole life to hear this. Or do you feel like sometimes you have to talk folks into, you know, kind of have to give them your pitch to get them to see what you're, what you stand for. I'll say that so often I expect to receive eco-hesitancy and having to convince people. But what I actually encounter is people hungry to know more and to hear it from someone that they trust. They may hear it on uh, the news. They may hear it on the progressive news and just not be sure if they can trust that. But whenever it comes from someone who they readily can see this person shares my values, whether it's faith values, whether it's conservative values, making that, uh, having that mess, that trusted messenger is just so key. And so what I find all the time is uh, I just simply share that um, I'm a, I'm an evangelical leader. Um, I'm a fellow Christian. And I also happen to be a climate advocate. That opens the door where they're like, oh, I have been wondering about this, this, this. Is it true? What's the real story here? And again, that's why we need more Christian voices, more conservative voices being lifted up in the climate conversation, because whenever it's just coming from, uh, whenever it's just a one-sided conversation, you're just not reaching so many important potential partners and allies. 
I mean, I am with you and I look forward to that day. And and I think what you just said about messengers is so important. And especially in this day and age where we can get our information from so many different sources. I mean, I'm older than you, but I remember being a little girl and my parents would watch the 6 p.m. news and then they would get the paper delivered in the morning. But something could happen between when the time the paper was printed and it was delivered, and then you wouldn't know about it until you watch the evening news. You know, we didn't have the 24-hour news cycle. And so today it's not just the news, right? It's social media. It's, there's just so many ways and you need to hear something from someone you trust. And when there are so many options and so many places and avenues to get your news, I think it's natural to be, you know, we want to hear from somebody who, you know, thinks more like you. And I'm walking away today just feeling so good that you're out there doing the work that you do. I wanted to mention one other thing to our listeners before I let you go. And that is that I read that you and your husband founded a church in DuPont Circle. We did. We did. Back in 2015. Which feels like ages ago. (laughs) It does. It really does. We came up here from Atlanta, Georgia, um, feeling a call both to uh, serve the good people of Washington, D.C., and also um, for uh, for me to continue to pursue my calling in, in science and in climate advocacy. And it has just been an incredible journey. It's been hard, too. But it has just been so, so wonderful to start this new community here in the nation's capital. Hard these days because it feels like our communities are a little disjointed with the um, restrictions that we've been living under the last year. But um, so glad that you're here in this area. And I was just thinking, you're like a Renaissance woman. You have the science background and you have the evangelical background and you're an amazing speaker and you're enthusiastic and good writer. I mean, you have all of the things. And so I just feel very honored to now know you better. And I'm so glad I got to bring your voice to our listeners. Oh, well, thank you, Chelsea. And I feel honored and humbled. And it's just been such a thrill to come on the podcast to speak with you. And uh, again, I am such a fan of all your work at Republic EN. It is such an important uh, voice and, and service that you do. Price in a world that feels still a little bit dark, getting a little lighter, but a little dark. Jessica is such a breath of fresh air. Great interview, great content, uh, great perspective, positive, enlightening perspective. I thought she was great. I thought it was a, a great interview and a good find. And, you know, with a partner, the Evangelical Environmental Network that we're excited to work with in reaching out to find more fellow conservatives. I mean, she just is work. I feel like this is more than just a job for her, right? This is really personal. And that was what struck me the whole time we were talking is she comes at this from such a knowledgeable perspective, but also everything she says just feels so genuine to me. Yep. It, there were, for a lot of reasons, we have, we've had great interviews and that's not to, you know, you know, toot our own horn, but it took me back to the Lindsay Lenski interview because of, you know, the faith-based perspective and, you know, the way it, it really kind of felt like a heart on the table um, moment there for, you know, a lot of it, you know, personal, you know, so to speak with, with faith and, 
you know, their their feelings and the way they approach the environment. And that's that would be the closest one I felt like in terms of comparing it to something else. And that's one of our very first interviews that we ever did here on the Eco Right Speaks. And they did a book club with Lindsay's book, which I didn't know when I asked her if she knew Lindsay Linsky. So I just love it when things start to come full circle. And this was so if we had 26 episodes last year and this was like our ninth. So we're in the, you know, we're, we're nearing 40 episodes. And the other and- <laughs> the other thing was, and correct me if my ears are filled with cotton balls, wax, or whatever it may be, I didn't hear a Senate staffer reference on there. I didn't hear <laughs> one this week. I think you were trying to hold back. I was holding back. I think I talked about National Wildlife Federation maybe, but I did not talk about my Senate career you did you hit uh wildlife you hit nature conservancy but not a form that you did not say quote unquote former senate staff or senate snob so i lost money on this episode i lost money sorry 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 it's okay it is quite all right it's all right too if you want to sign up and join our community we need we need you listeners We make this plea, and I'm going to make it again this week, like Chelsea and I both do, to join us. Stand with us at republican.org forward slash join. It does not take you any time at all, like Bernie C. in North Carolina, Siggy C. in California, Yolanda H. in Nebraska, Bryson M. in Tennessee, Andrea H. in Utah. Shout out to those brand-new Republicans who have just signed on with us, and if you haven't, you can do it too. Again, republican.org forward slash join. Chelsea, tell them what they win when they sign up. When they sign up, they get an email from me once a week, just once a week on Fridays that will have a link to every, you know, that week's episode, but also will outline or detail rather, not just outline any other eco right news of the week. So it's just once a week, it comes on Fridays and People compliment me on that all the time. And back in the days when we used to go, get to go places like conferences or panel sessions or whatever, anytime I meet somebody in our space, they're like, oh, you're mm-hmm. Chelsea Henderson. I get your email every Friday. I love it. And you know what? People across the political spectrum tell me they love it because for those who are right of center, of course, it's empowering. And then those who are left of center say they use it to help convince the people in their lives who are eco-hesitant. So I feel that it speaks to everybody and I try to make it serious and lighthearted at the same time. You're a star. I tell you that all the time. I told you that in that very first episode that you're a star, and it continues to burn ever so bright each and every episode. And that's what we're here for, is to help not just educate, not to entertain, but help those uh, who might be able to help others join us, you know, to 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 convert, to come on over and see the light, you know, that we've, we've got to do something. We've got to act. No more head in the sand. Um, you know, so wait, Price, I'm going to take the question you just asked me and turn okay. it around on you. For those p- listeners who go right now to Apple Podcasts and give us a five star review and a nice little line about how great we're doing, what do they get? They get a shout out on an upcoming episode of the podcast, which we would love to have your review. Five stars would be great. We'll take four, three, two, or one. It doesn't matter. It helps us become more visible on Apple Podcasts when you give us a star rating, but also 
If you would like to leave a quick little comment, that is what we will read, and that those are ever so valuable to us and, believe it or not, to the algorithms of which Apple Podcasts populates energy, environment, and political-type podcasts out to everybody. So, yes, we could use your review right there on Apple Podcasts. It is very quick. It is very simple. It is very, very easy. That's what we try and do is make this very easy for you. Now, let me throw this back to you. You've thrown it back to me. I'm going back to you. Programming note for next week's episode and then our fun in the sun. We've got to go put on some suntan lotion and lather up and you know hang out outside for our spring break. Give everybody an update on our programming over the next few weeks. All right, listeners, so you're hearing this episode on St. Patrick's Day Eve, so November 16th. Um, We will have one more episode in this first part of season two that will air on the 23rd. And then, as Price said, we are going to take a little spring break. So we're going to take off the last week of March and the first week of April, and then we'll be back in your ears. And now you're requiring me to do some math because I don't really count very well, but um, we'll be back at you in April and I'm going to just find the date. So on April 13th, we'll be back in your ears with Science Moms. So super excited to have a little recharge and Price, I might actually have some plans, which I'm really excited about. Um, On Saturday, my son and I drove up to Philly and back in one day. Awesome. Because he needs drive practice hours. Okay. He needs 60 hours on the road before he can get his license, and we have, like, 19. Yep. So um, my best friend from college, her family lives there, and they've been having a rough week. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to put a b- buy a bunch of flowers and plants. And my thought was just to leave them on their doorstep. And they were like, no, that's silly. We're yep. going to make a fire pit. We can all sit six feet apart, come in, and we stayed for six hours. It was glorious wow. to see people and be outside and then we turn around and came home anyway they have a beach house on the jersey shore that they aren't using mm. right now mm. and they said that colin and i could go for spring break i don't think we'll go the whole week but you know they have wi-fi and everything so i can work from there i might even take a few days off price you should just stay away from the kids games no beer pong none of that kind of stuff <laughs> you know body no body surfing we're not at that point yet well yeah it's a little cold maybe you go in the ocean in march but um but i'm just thinking you know sunsets sleeping in taking a walk on the beach like just looking at something that isn't my office (laughs) i understand i understand spring is right around the corner we were pushing 30 degrees celsius i felt like it was not there yet but it was getting close you talk in celsius who who talks in celsius (laughs) i talk in both i my my yeah i talk in it was it was a solid 80 plus fahrenheit yes i i've been thinking celsius the last couple of days because some uh, a lot of Canadian friends have been asking me about the temperature after they saw some photos that I posted. So, no. That well, we'll... it was definitely warm enough for rosé. I had some rosé on Friday. That was nice. There you go. There you go. All right. Let's get out of here. Uh, speaking right. of rosé, we're going to drink green beers. Happy St. Patrick's Day to everybody. Uh, hope you guys have a, uh, a wonderful St. Patty's holiday. And Chelsea will do it again next week one more time before we, again, we got to go lather up. We got to spring break it. That's right. So come back next week and you'll learn all about natural gas vehicles, listeners. We'll see you then. See you then. Thanks for listening to this week's edition of the Eco Right Speaks podcast brought to you by the team at RepublicEN.org. 
Make sure to visit republicen.org to learn more and find out how you can be a local eco-right leader. 